welcome to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. We will explore God's Word to learn how we can live by God's grace and for His glory. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Here's your host, Noah Hooper. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. This week I want to take a bit of a diversion from our study in Romans 12. We'll return there next week. But as we've been there for quite a while now, I thought it'd be good to take a little break and take a journey back to the Old Testament. We're going to be looking today in the 8th Psalm. And I want to ask you this question. How is your praise? How is your praise? We've been looking recently in how worship is displayed in our lives, how it's displayed in the way we relate to God and to others. But today I want to see how our hearts should be drawn to give Him the glory because of who He is and what He has done. So let's read Psalm 8. The Bible says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth, who has set Thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast Thou ordained strength because of Thine enemies, that Thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. You will see this psalm begin and end in the same manner. And that is with a declaration of praise to God for this. How excellent is thy name. This is a psalm of adoration. It is a psalm of exaltation that lifts up the heart of David and us today to how glorious and how majestic God is for these two reasons. Pastor H.P. Charles outlined the psalm like this, and I found it to be true in my own study, so I'm going to borrow from him today. And that is these two phrases. Number one, God is great. And number two, God is good. God is great and God is good. That is the two truths that we see in this psalm that should direct our hearts to what David says in verse number one and verse number nine. And that is this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. So first of all, we see the greatness of God. He says, O Lord, our Lord. The first phrase of this psalm makes it undeniably clear who this psalm is about. David is directing his attention to the Lord. If you're looking at your Bible as you read this, or if not, if you're driving, I hope you're not, you'll notice in the Bible that the first Lord in this is all caps. That is the word Jehovah. It is the defining name of God that separates him as the one true God. David is recognizing that he is the self-existent, eternal God. But notice the next one, O Lord, our Lord. He says, God, you are great but you are my Lord as well. You are not just out there in the universe, but you are 
my Lord. And that, in really, in that first phrase of the psalm, we see the truth that is echoed throughout the entire psalm. That is, that God is the self-existent, eternal God of the universe, who is above and beyond creation, but He is also the Lord that is involved in the lives of people. He is both great and He is good. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. His excellency, it is comprehensive. You will see that the phrase in all the earth, climb Mount Everest, go to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, go as far as you can in the Sahara Desert and get lost in the Amazon rainforest. No matter where you go on this earth, go as high, go as deep as you will, and you will find that He is excellent there. He is not bound to a nation. He is not bound to a continent. But His excellency is displayed in all the earth. As a matter of fact, no matter where you go in the earth, there is a declaration from creation of the glory of God. Psalm 19 and verse 1 said that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. God's glory is displayed in all the earth. How? Who has set thy glory above the heavens. He is excellent in all the earth because He is above the earth. Think of kings and queens and how their reigns exist in a certain location, in a certain area. It only goes so high. It only is so important. But God supersedes. He is preeminent over all of those things. It is unrivaled. He is excellent. It is comprehensive. There's nowhere you can go where He is not excellent. And it is unrivaled. There is no one who can come close to how great He is. But now notice the Kind of, if you're just reading this passively, it seems like an odd verse in verse number two. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies and thine avengers. Mm. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. The psalmist goes from declaring how great God is in the earth and how His glory is set above the heavens to babbling babies and how this displays the glory of God. How does this display the glory of God? You see contrasted weak babies who are still completely relying upon their mother for nourishment and then armies, then avengers, those who are against God. God contrasts the weak and the powerful. Why? This is really a truth that is displayed all throughout Scripture. And that is that God uses the weak to silence the strong because it displays His strength. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 26 through 29 teaches this truth. In verse 27 it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. God uses the weak, He uses the insignificant to silence His enemies because in that He alone is glorified. They cannot receive the glory because it is obvious they have no strength in and of themselves, but He receives the glory. You see the greatness of God displayed in who He is 
and how he works. But next, let's see the goodness of God in verses 3 through 8. Notice what the psalm says in verse number 3. Charles Spurgeon deemed this the psalm of the astronomer, and this is why in verse number 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Imagine David looking up into the heavens on a clear night, and he sees the moon, he sees the stars, he sees how great everything is out there, and he realizes this, that what is so magnificent to us is but the work of his fingers. That phrase, the work of thy fingers, is what is termed an anthropomorphism. That is just a big word to describe how in the poetic literature and God's word, God will use a phrase of a human characteristic to describe him to us. We know that God is a spirit. He does not have a body like we do, but God will use something like this so that we can understand a truth about him. We see this in the phrase, the eyes of the Lord, where God looks and God sees. We know that God does not have physical eyes, but it communicates to us the truth that God sees and knows. And in this, the, the truth being communicated here is how great God is in comparison to the earth and the glory of the heavens to us. John MacArthur said it better than I can. The anthropomorphism, your fingers, miniaturizes the magnitude of the universe in the presence of the Creator, end quote. That is what this phrase does. It shows us how great God is in comparison to the universe that is great to us, which leads David to the realization in verse number four. When you consider how the great universe we look out on at night is but the work of the fingers of God. Think about what you use your fingers for. Use it to write with a pen. Use them to hold a, a fork or a spoon. That is what the heavens are like to God. This is how great he is. But notice what happens next. David does not stop with how great God is and how he is transcendent, how he is above and beyond creation, but he is involved in the lives of people. This is not the position of the deist who says that God just set everything in the order in the, in the universe and he let it be. No, God is both creator and sustainer. He is involved in his creation, especially in the lives of people. He says in verse number four, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou has, that thou visitest him. This leads David to the question. He says, God, I see how great you are. How in the world do you know man? What is man that thou art mindful of him, that you remember man, that you think of man? He's so insignificant. He is so small to you, God, but you think of him and that thou visitest him. You pay attention to man. You care for man. Isn't that amazing? The great God of the universe is above the universe, but he is involved in the lives of people. And he is also given dominion. Now we're pointing back to really the original creation. In verses 5 through 8, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. David points back to Genesis 1. When God creates Adam 
And he gives him dominion over the earth, over all of the creatures. Why? He has made him a little lower. And the angels warn, we pointed out that God didn't just make man a little greater than the creature. He made him a little lower in the, than the angels. He's crowned him with glory and honor. This passage is a reminder of the dignity that God created man with. Now, there are many things that could be addressed about this subject, especially in our day and hour, but I will remind you that you are created in the image of God. And in the original creation, God created Adam to have dominion over the earth. However, you and I, we still have some dominion over this world. We still are to exercise dominion over creatures in this world. But it is a paltry comparison to the dominion God intended for man to have. Why? Sin. But in this, you'll, if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, this points us to Hebrews chapter number 2 where he, the writer of Hebrews quotes this psalm. And he talks about how God created man with glory and honor, and he put all things under his feet. But in Hebrews 2 and verse number 8, notice this. That was put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. He says, this is not true right now. Why? sin. But then he transitions in verse number eight to how man has lost some dominion to verse number nine. It says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of the death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. You see how God is involved in the lives of people, how he thinks of them, how he remembers them, how he gave dominion to them. But this psalm points us ultimately to the fact of how God is involved in the lives of people and the person of Jesus Christ. How he has come to restore this dominion. It has not been fully restored yet, but God will one day make new heavens and a new earth and he will restore what he intended for in the original creation. And it is because of Jesus Christ. This is the transcendent God who is working in the lives of people. He is especially involved in the lives of his own. So my question to you is, how then is your praise? Are you praising the Lord in your life today? And if you're not, consider these two truths. That God is great and God is good. That he is both above and beyond all of this. But he is also involved in our lives, especially in Jesus Christ. Now, there are many implications we did not look at in this passage today because we just looked at it to see these two truths today. And what should it lead us to? It should lead us to the same response David had in verse number nine. As he began the psalm, he concludes the psalm. And that is this. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. It should lead us to the recognition and declaration that He is good and He is great and there is no one like Him. How is your praise? Will you look to Him and consider not only who He is, but what He has done? He's not just a God who is out there, but He is a God who is involved in your life, especially in the person of Jesus Christ. Will you consider him and how great he is and how good he is 
And may this direct your heart to say, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I hope you will consider subscribing and leaving a review. And I hope that you will join me next week as we continue studying God's Word to learn how to live by His grace and for His glory.